During the first Folk on Foot Front Room Festival, I was particularly struck by Corrine Polwart's description of the amazing community spirit in her home village of Pathhead Midlothian during the lockdown. She talked about the way people had rallied round and, and come together to help each other. And then I got an email from the harpist, Corinna Hewat, who also lives in the village and said, you do know there's more than two musicians who live here, don't you? You should come and meet them. So here we are in Pathhead Midlothian, about to go on a journey from house to house in search of music. And we're hoping that we're going to meet Inga Thompson, Martin Green from Lau, Corinna Hewat herself and her husband, Dave Milligan, the pianist who's recently collaborated with Corinne Polwart, jazz singer Sophie Bancroft and her partner Tom Line, who's a bass player, and Amy Geddes, the fiddle player. And we're hoping now to bump into Corinne Polwart. Corinne, it's lovely to see you and uh, lovely to be at your house because I feel like I've been inside your house on the front room festivals. I yeah. feel like I've seen inside it before. But just tell me a little bit about Pathhead Midlothian. Is it a remarkable architectural village? You know, are there any interesting buildings here? Well, the core kind of artery of the village, which is part of the A68, which runs down to Jedburgh, there are a lot of old houses on there, so there's kind of houses that date from the 1700s. So there are some conservation buildings on the main part of the village, and that's what you would notice if you drove through it. But actually, most of the village is this bit behind so it's kind of 1950s 1970s scheme housing if you know what I mean which is where I live just just here on the edge of the park and I guess that for me the most remarkable thing about the village is the people it's not a super fancy village really there's really really beautiful picturesque villages in this area and this is one of the more run-of-the-mill in its appearance but actually it's really about the people and really about for me the musicians that have moved here over the past 20 years it's nice to have friends. Yeah, and what brought them here? Why do you think there are so many musicians here? Well, it's very close to Edinburgh, and I guess it had to do with people starting families, and to be honest, not being able to afford to live in Edinburgh <laughs> anymore, because it's a very expensive city. But one family moved first, I think Tom Bancroft and his wife Gina Ray moved, and then Tom's sister Sophie, who you're going to talk to, and her husband Tom Lyne moved, and then Amy Geddes, who you're talking to, she moved, and then Inga and Martin moved, and it became just this little creeping kind of like growth of it, <laughs> <laughs> of musicians that, you know, folk musicians and jazz musicians mostly. It's kind of reassuring to have pals that do the same thing, but also it's a really beautiful place to raise a family. You know, it's a community of, I think, just about a thousand people. We have a village school, you know, my kids can walk to school. So it's a great place to live and you've got all the amenities of Edinburgh just half an hour up the road and beautiful, you know, woodland and farmland and... And moorland. And moorland. So yeah, you know, Fallamoor is just two miles down the road from here. So you get a real sense of space. Yeah, it's just a really lovely place to live. And do the people who are not musicians kind of know that there are loads of musicians here? Do they experience it? Do the musicians perform in the village? Yeah, they do. I mean, it's, it's been a strange couple of years, I think, because not much has happened. But yeah, we used to run 
family Kayleys at the village hall and they would be mostly populated with families with really small ones and older people in the village because they would happen in an afternoon and actually they were lovely buzzy events um, and there's been yeah, gigs at the village hall I mean actually in recent years there's been a regular series of quite experimental out there improv jazz gigs in the village hall Amy Geddes in particular has done such a lot over many years working with young fiddlers so there's a kind of core of um, young musicians that have been learning as well and Sophie Bancroft has also had a lot of students. So I think there are a large number of young people that have grown into young adulthood who've got music lessons from one or other of Sophie or Amy. And you have worked with each other as well, haven't you? Yeah. Obviously you work a lot with Inga Thompson, yeah. but you've also collaborated with Dave Milligan on your latest record. Yes, and I have. Yeah, and actually have a long-standing friendship with Dave's wife, Karina, and we used to be in an a cappella trio together so there's actually loads and loads of little overlaps I've co-written with Martin Green Inga's husband for his flip project a few years ago yeah so it's lovely actually there's lots of kind of ebb and flow between all of us here in the village where, where are you taking us now I'm taking us to the wee park which it sits right at the back of my back garden it's an unremarkable wee park <laughs> but actually it was really important for the village in 2020 in particular it kind of became the focal point for a lot of stuff. A food project was born in the village because we lost our bus service and folks couldn't get their groceries in. And the food project met in the wee park. You would come on a Thursday and there would be a wee barrow of fruit and veg just up at the top here. And then you could order your box of fruit and veg in and it would be scattered all over the park like a kind of treasure hunt. And you'd go looking for your veggies. And it became really important because it was the only time of week when people could legitimately meet somebody else. And then not just that, but it became, you know, we've had an orchard planted here in the past few years. And just little wee things like, you know, our friend Jenny scattered crocus seeds along the edge of the park. There's a local artist called Anne who's put up some of her work on the wall. And the main thing is that as, as a result of all this lovely kind of communal activity in the village, a local couple that lived just up the street commissioned two new park benches. So I'm going to take us to they're the park benches. In, they're very inviting, aren't they? Let's yeah. go and sit on one. But they're made of Edinburgh oak and they're made by a local artisan carpenter um, called Nico who lives just out of the village. And it was at the unveiling of these benches, this one and the one over in the corner, that's my favourite one. I've often gone and had a wee cup of tea with Inga there when we've not been allowed to get into each other's houses and it's a little sun trap. At the unveiling of the benches, we had a wee socially distanced gathering in the corner and I wrote a song to mark that and, and I'm going to sing that song with Dave up at Dave's house oh that would be wonderful Great. and these are just to say about the benches they're really rough hewn aren't they, they? Are. you know they're, they're, the wood has been left rough on the edges um, yeah and I mean they're, they're a wee bit weathered here at the minute but but Nico's style is very organic and he actually is a beautiful maker of furniture and one day when I'm grown up I'll be able to afford one of Nico's tables yeah. <laughs> what's lovely about it is that in the grass we're in March now and so the crocuses and the snowdrops are, are coming out and just little spots of colour all over the grass It's here. nice it's and it's such a simple thing, but then that's really... Our friend Jenny Gardner has done an amazing amount in the village. She's also a fabulous fiddler. She helped to set up the food project. She's also done loads of work around growing in the village. So, yeah, there's just some really stellar people. They do a lot of the heavy lifting in the uh, village. And am I right in thinking that during the lockdown you were doing gigs in people's gardens? Yeah, actually, just over there, there's a lovely couple called Bob and Brenda, and Bob's from Pathhead. I would wager maybe Bob is close to 80, perhaps. 
They're lovely. They've been real supporters of all the musical activity in the village, but they were isolated in their house for a long time because of Bob's health. So me and Inga and Jenny did a wee gig at um, Bob and Brenda's back gate and they came out with their table and their wine and their cake and they sat um, just outside their back door and I asked Bob for a list of his favourite songs and we did a wee bespoke set of... Um, so what sort of things did you have to learn? Well, there were things like Run Rig. Was that when you learned the Joni Mitchell song that you did for us on the, on the festival? No, I learned the Joni Mitchell song, I think, because I did the gig for Bob and loved it so much and then did two subsequent back garden gigs for friends who were in kind of late stage cancer and so I learned um, Carrie for a friend called Kathleen and I've just loved the kind of intimacy of those kinds of gigs they're like it's kind of what music is really all about yeah so we're coming into the big park right <laughs> so, <there's a> wee, <laughs> so that was the small park that was the wee park this is the big park <laughs> and this okay. is Calendar Park which is the main football field in the village my son comes and hangs out here most evenings. But we can see the hills over there in the yeah, distance. Yeah, so that's the Pentland Hills, which are kind of to the south and west of Edinburgh. We're heading towards a thousand feet here, I think, above sea level, maybe 900. And then south of here, you come into the, the Lammermuirs as you head down into the borders. But you get a proper sense of space and wind. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of breeze here, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Crean and Dave are directly over here. So we're going to cut across here. You're wiping a table. We've all been on tenterhooks <laughs> this morning trying to get our houses clean. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Morning. Hello. Hello, Ella. Hiya. Hiya. Hello. Hello, Hello Dave. How are you? And Matthew. Yeah, nice, nice to, to see, see you. you. We met on Zoom. We did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Thank you very much. The path that winds before us is not for us to know one step and then another is the only place we have to go the path that winds before us is not for us to see one breath and then another is all we need don't worry don't hurry the seed will take its time to grow don't worry don't hurry prepare the earth and soul the Sit here and rest your mind Don't worry 
Beautiful, Karim Dave. Thank you very much indeed. And and that's a song conjuring up the image of sitting on that bench that we've yeah. just been to. And Dave, tell us about the collaboration that you and Karim have made now of the album Still As You're Sleeping. How did that start and how, how did it come into being? We ended up going into the studio together because Karim was uh, commissioned to contribute a song for a project run by Luminates, which is a kind of creative ageing charity and it was really uh, quite a lovely process and I think we both enjoyed it very much which was followed quite quickly after by another project. Was this the, the Margaret Atwood It was project. indeed. Yeah. Uh, Corinne, tell I, us about I, the Margaret Atwood project because yeah. the, the novelist Margaret Atwood wanted you to sing a song, didn't she? Well, she was commissioned by the Today programme on Radio 4 and <laughs> she wanted a version of The Parting Glass because it was a song that was very dear to her and her husband and Radio 4 got in touch to ask if I would do a version actually by myself in my office and I thought that sounded like a terrible idea (laughs) so I I went back to them and said actually I would love to do that but actually it would be great if you would pay for a proper studio and pay for Dave and and let's do it and give the song and give Margaret Atwood our our due and do it properly and that was the second thing that we did together and I think that at that point we thought you know we're on to something here, maybe we should do a wee bit more of this. Well, because there's something so beautiful just about the piano and voice combination, isn't there, Dave? Something, you know, intimate and stripped back and glorious. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the very root of, you know, music as a form of communication. It's kind of in its raw form and there's nowhere to hide, which is kind of one of the, the sort of beautiful things about it. You know, it's like all the space that that you're creating and all the colour that you're creating has to come from just this very kind of raw source, you know, so it's uh, it was very enjoyable. And also handy, obviously, that your neighbours. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> it saved a lot of commuting and uh, and all that kind of stuff. It actually meant that I could just run home for my lunch. It was like being at primary school again. <laughs> <laughs> you just go home for your dinner. <laughs> Dave, we've been talking to Corinne about why this extraordinary community of musicians has got together. What brought you to Pathhead Midlothian? Well, before Karina and I moved to Pathhead, we were very much connected with all the people because of the sort of larger musical community. But at that time, we were expecting the birth of our child, Ella, who you just met, who's now turning 13. And there was that kind of draw for us to be just closer to a network of people for support, I guess. Mm. So we moved up and haven't regretted it for a minute since. (laughs) So what is it about the place that you love so much? Geographically speaking, I love where it is in terms of, you know, where we've kind of landed and all the projects that we do. There's a sense of kind of location here, which just feels really right. I feel still very connected to where I was brought up in the borders, which is just really a stone's throw down the road from here. And there's something about the landscape 
in this kind of part of of Scotland that just feels very at home. You know, the light and the kind of contour of the hills that we just kind of see from, you know, any sort of lookout from the village. There's just something familiar about it and comforting because it feels like home, you know. Are there creative impulses too from being close to so many other creative people? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can't really escape that sense of creative inspiration, I guess. You know, just even popping into somebody's house for a cup of tea and it's like, what are you up to? And you just get a little bit of chat about what's going on and it just starts the kind of creative wires start sparking and... I think, Dave, I think you're a really interesting person, you and Karina both, though, because you kind of straddle the worlds of folk and jazz. And that's the kind of two music scenes, really, that are represented by the folk that live here. Because you've recorded with Tom Bancroft and with Tom Lyne, so there's something like your house is like where the two things kind of... The fault lines come together. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of think so. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And ironically enough, before we lived in Pathheads, I was playing a lot with Tom Lyne and Tom Bancroft who you'll meet later on, and uh, and they still live just directly across the road from each other in Pathhead. And I used to come to Pathhead at least once a week, and we would play and we would rehearse. And literally, you know, as soon as we moved to Pathhead, we kind of stopped rehearsing. I don't, I don't know why that was. It was too easy. <laughs> I want to bring Corinna into the conversation because she's a key player in all of yeah. this. So should we just nip next door and uh, and have a that. chat with her? We're passing the baton to you now, so uh, where are we going, Karina? Through here? We're going through here. And you've got two harps? Yeah, I do. Excellent. I've well, got let's many do... harps. How many harps have you got? I think I may have about five or six now. Right. Just little ones. And different kinds? Ones. Yeah, lots. Right. This is an electric harp. See, I can practice, like, because I damp it. So as not to disturb the house? Yeah. Now, anyway. listen, you're the one to blame for us being here. So I'm so delighted to meet you. Well, and you, you nice. sent me an email during the time when we were doing the Front Room Festivals and you said there are more musicians <laughs> in Scotland than just the ones that you've been putting on the festivals. Right. And we came here to find some of them, including yourself and Dave, of course. That's, and we're going to see Inga and Martin and we're yeah. going to see Sophie and Sophie Tom. Sophie and Tom, great. What is it about this village that has brought you all together and created this musical community? Well, I suppose it's a beautiful place. We all have kids around the same age, so they were all hanging around as school together I don't know it's like a you know a kind of a magnet of a place we've all ended up here slowly and surely year on year and what about you and Dave how did you come together in the first place we met in Leeds we went to study in the the Leeds College of Music and I happened to meet him he thought I was Irish because everybody in England thinks I'm Irish oh really Um, yes what is that because I tend to try and make myself more understandable because I come from the Black Isle, um, which is like right up north near Inverness, and they all speak like that. And they go, how are you doing in your cell, man? And they've got this slightly nasal thing. And I went, I'm not talking like that. No, I'm never <laughs> going to him then. then. So I, I try and, do you know, you morph into somebody else's language. I, I can't help it. When I'm so you're like a, a, Canadian... a chameleon. I'm a bit like that. When I'm in, in, in America, I'd start to put on an American accent. When yes. I'm down south, I speak with a southern accent. Exactly. <laughs> and we're not taking the mickey. We're just, we can't help just it. Just trying to fit in. Exactly. Aren't we? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so yeah, you got together so that's where we met. Yeah. personally, but also musically. And I mean, you've done some, yeah. some collaborations together. We have. You? The usual suspects. The unusual suspects. The unusual suspects. suspects. <clears throat> yeah. The unusual suspects was a band of, basically, Dave wanted a big band. I wanted a trad band and we just merged them together, basically. I wanted trad musicians to play with their own 
regional ornamentations. I wanted their own sound to come through, but at the same time we wanted like the big orchestral thing. So we didn't want to make them all play exactly the same thing. Like all the fiddlers, we had 12 fiddlers. It's like, well, you can't all play the same little ornamentation. Just do your own thing. And it kind of became this messy and interesting melding of soup, of jazz and trad and all sorts of other things. And how many people were in the band in the end? We ended up touring with 22 because touring with 33 is ridiculous. But there were 33 in there at were, one time. There was 33 in the first gig. There was 34 in and the second gig. that was one of the gig. most memorable gigs, I gather. I mean, oh, the, the Scotsman said it was one of the best gigs of all time. Yeah. Well, do you know what it was? It was Celtic Connections had a free space on a Sunday afternoon in the main auditorium. And they're going, this is sitting empty. Make something. And so we made the unusual suspects. <laughs> Would you play something for us? Yes. Is it difficult for you to choose between the, the harps? I mean, you've got so many of them No, I'm, I'm basically because I'm recording next week, I'm kind of practising this massive amount of music that I've written. But I've got a piece called Silent Farewell. I thought it'd be quite nice to play that. It's a, it's a slow air which was written for, you know, when you meet people and you love them dearly, but at the same time you may not meet them again. And so you say your final goodbyes while we're all still alive, rather than when somebody dies going, gosh, I wish I'd said. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm saying it now. So I've written it in a piece of music called Silent Farewell.
was absolutely beautiful. Corinne, I could stay here and listen to you play all day, but I wonder if you might point us in the direction, we have many more people to meet, point us in the direction of Inga Thompson and Martin Green's house. Absolutely. It's just down the road, yes. A few minutes' walk. So, where are we now? This is the older part of Pathhead, these houses here. On the right, yeah. and then on the left, on the, the newer street. part. Yeah. See, there's our St Mary's Chapel. Oh, yeah. Okay. That looks and like quite an old building. Yeah, it's a, it's a really old chapel. We would do little concerts in there. And then this little... See, here Cut we go. through behind the garages. This is Martin and Inga. Martin. Hello. Hello, hey. Martin. Hello. Look Hello. at you! I'm over the bin. <laughs> Just taking oh, the bins out. Nice to see you. I'm Matthew. Hi, I'm lovely Matt. to see you. Nice to see you. Hello, Inga. Hello. How Hi. lovely to see Hi. you. Hi, guys. Come in. Please. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I'll leave you to it, and uh, I'll see you later on. Eh? We'll see you a bit later. Yeah. Inga, it's lovely to see you. Thank Hello, you for lovely. inviting lovely us into your house. Mm-hmm. What a lovely room, and you've got all sorts of interesting things here. You've got a piano. Is this an organ? It's a Wurlitzer organ, yeah. It gets a lot of action, especially around Christmas time and when we've got people in the house. And It has some brilliant settings that just don't sound like anything else, so it's it's quite well used. And what's that on top of the piano there? It looks like a musical instrument. So it's a really early Chinese... It's one of the first accordions, and this is... um, special to me because it used to be Nigel Richards. Well, Nigel was somebody who lived in the village here yes. and was a pipe maker, wasn't he? Yes, he made yeah. pipes, but he also um, made music. He played stringed instruments and sang and was an absolute uh, linchpin when it came to organising sessions and just really generous with his own musical knowledge. And, you know, it was all about community and getting people to play together. And he so died recently? He did. He died a, a year ago and uh, it was quite a big hit for not just the musical community here but all around the world because he had lots of musical uh, partnerships with India and just all over the place so the, the ripples of his loss are still being felt really. And that instrument belonged to him? It did yes. Oh, so it's like a memento of it, his it, it is musicianship? It, it, it sort of is yeah although he was never a great fan of the accordion Martin and I, I think we managed to kind of squeeze in there a little bit just because we were maybe not quite so conventional, but he was never a big fan of the accordion. Now, Inga, we're here in Pathhead Midlothian, but we know very well that you come from Fair Isle and we I met your brother, know. Ewan, yes. where we had a great time on Shetland and we went to his workshop and it was absolutely wonderful. So what brought you to Pathhead Midlothian? Uh, well, we actually ended up here, it was a little bit of an accident. I'd been living in Cambridge and I, I kind of was quite keen to to come back north just because a lot of my bands that I was playing in were up here and and I just missed it so I I reeled Martin up with me and it was pure fluke that we decided to come here just it was literally there's a house that's up for rent why don't we go and and see what that's like and then we came out and discovered it then Gina Ray ran out from one of the the houses from the Ray family who are a big jazz family going hi Inga Martin what are you doing here and we kind of thought wow there's already like quite a little stronghold of mostly at that time jazz musicians, but here in the village, and it just felt like a good move. So we took Sandy Wright, the singer-songwriter, to come and live with us because the house was a bit big for just the two of us. We thought we'd be here a couple of years, and here we are, 
many years later and still delighted with the And place. the musicians have gathered around you. Yeah, I'd like to say that I'm totally, wholly responsible for it, but actually, <laughs> obviously I'm not. But do you um, collaborate with Corrine? Obviously you're in her band and with others who live here too? Yes, I mean, we've played together in almost every house that contains a musician. I will have done a project with them at some point. It's a very uh, kind of symbiotic musical relationship that we've all got here. And I just want to ask before we go any further about the skeletons you've got in your Uh, closet. (laughs) When I say in your closet, I mean on your windowsill. I have to say I love... I love finding a, de- a dead thing, uh, and I, I, I really like bones and skulls, and thankfully I've got uh, uh, we can, just, can we make things. it clear for those listening in black and white that there are no human uh, skulls here? Are there, there are no human bones here, no, but I have got some interesting ones. I've got a barn owl skull and a badger skull and various seabirds um, and a jawbone of something that I'm not even entirely sure of what it is. It's a really tiny one, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely got some uh, canine teeth. It might be like a stoat or something like that. You've got a little dried newt there as well. Yeah, look at that. Tiny. Where did you get that from? Actually, because my husband knows me so well, my husband over there found it when he was out walking one day and went, I think you might like this uh, dried newt. What's the creepiest one? Uh, we've got a blackbird eye over oh. there. Yeah, do you want to come and show it? Come and show it off. Uh, okay. It's your daughter here coming in to join yes, us. Yes, this is Edie. She hey, shares my love for blackbird eye. It's here, I think. Oh yeah, there it is. That's the eye of a blackbird. Yes, it was flattened on the side of the road, so we gouged it out. Oh my goodness, you said that with such relish. <laughs> Did you enjoy gouging it out? Yes, oh, right. yes. So, yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're encouraging this inquisitive spirit in your yeah. children, Inga. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I absolutely love it. And I'm very much at home when I'm guddling in a rock pool or turning over stones or like poking a stick to see how some dead thing works. And yeah, I, I love it. That's where I'm kind of at my most at home. And you're, you're probably at home singing too, I hope. And you're um, going to sing yeah. for us. I will uh, sing you a song, yeah. What would you sing for us? Uh, I'll sing you a song that I wrote a couple of years ago. Um, I was very fortunate to be part of the Modern Fairies project, which was headed up by Faye Heald. And there was loads of brilliant artists involved in it across disciplines. We had, for instance, Jackie Morris, Ben Nichols... And then we had some great uh, poets, uh, Sarah Hesketh and Patience Agbabi, Ewan McPherson. Actually, there's too many for me to go. I'll, I'll miss somebody <laughs> out if I try uh, listing but, but them But you were looking into music and stories and poetry about fairies. Yes, and kind of how we could reframe it and present it to a more modern audience. And also just kind of to examine what our changing audience was, not just for like folk music, but folklore. And so this song comes out of that. And it's a song about fairies? It's a song about, you know, how uh, in folklore people can change into other animals, like we've got selkies, but this is particular to the hare and also just a kind of observation on man's interaction with nature altogether. Uh, OK, so this is called Safe in My Skin. <laughs> Oh, 
For dad is the one who will not heed nature's law. Heed the law, heed the law, heed the law. Heed the ball, heed the ball, heed the ball. Heed the law, heed the law, heed the law. Heed the ball, heed the ball, heed the I may bring you blessings. I may lay a curse, make you feel wanted, or make you feel worse, leave you conflicted. Over who supports whom? For dad is the one who will not read the room, read the room, read the room, read the room. Read the room, read the room, read the room. Read the room, read the room, read the room. Read the room, read the room, read the Safe in my skin. I should not presume to be safe in my skin. I should not presume to be safe in my skin. I should not Whatever the weather, I'm in the wrong coat, but as the dark rises, I can't read a note. I'm lumbering, I'm clumsy in my human form, but down the haunches I speak. Safe in my skin, I should not presume to be safe in my skin. I should not presume to be safe in my skin. I should not presume to be safe in my That's it. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Oh. You're getting a round of applause from your family on Thank the sofa you, here. Family. <laughs> now, I wonder if there's any competitive accordion behaviour in this house. There is really there... is not, because I'm really not very competitive. In fact, as a family in general, we're not very competitive. And Martin comes from a family that uh, don't even score when they're playing Scrabble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? What? So that, he's very laid back, obviously, over very, here on the Very, very laid back. Uh, let's so. bring Martin into the conversation. So, Martin, you've got your accordion here as well. And I think you've been working on a project, have you not, about this area? A project about the, yeah, the about, hidden about the brass, of this area? about the brass music in this area. Yeah, so we are, as your listeners will know by now, I'm sure, in Middle Lothian. So, just a few miles that way is the Scottish Mining Museum in Newton Grange. And there I encountered... Brass in the Park, which was a mass brass band event, and I had no idea really that there were so many 
astonishing musicians. So the, the pits have gone. The pits have gone. But the have brass bands that gone. came out of the pits are still yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. And not only are they still here playing music, but actually they've been running what we now call outreach projects for 150 years. And, and so bringing music into these communities and teaching children. And so like both our children have had brass lessons. Brass is the prominent instrument in schools here. And that's really because of the brass band movement and, and those teachers. And what impact did it have on you to realise that? Well, it has so many similarities with folk music. You've got something which is very traditional and people are interested in its history and in the fact that it is traditional. But it's also a movement that has to keep adapting to survive. And so they have all these concerns that we have, like what keeps it traditional without it becoming conservative and, and stale. So those conversations are really fascinating and what they're doing to keep children playing is, is really interesting. What they have that we don't have so much, at least in the folk music that we play, is competition. And that's that gives focus, which is brilliant, but it also, the danger is it becomes more insular. So those conversations have been really interesting. But also just how good they are. Like, it's, it's really remarkable. And they are described as amateur because they don't get paid. But really, the, the standard is so high. And one of the other fascinating things is that when you look at the top orchestras in the UK, their lead trumpet players, a lot of them, I would go as far as to say perhaps the majority of them, come from brass banding. And I think if you looked at postcode economics of those orchestras, I don't think you see that in the string section. I think it's a route from low-income areas to the top of this arts echelon. And that's really interesting and to be celebrated. You know? And did you feel, in a way, that looking into that brought you more in touch with the area in which you live? Definitely, because one of the things that we did was to talk to miners. And so the mining obviously wasn't here when we were here. It's, it's never existed in these children's lifetimes. So, you know, you in school is on miners' walk. You know, like, it, it's there. And, and when you go to Newton Grange, you see it in the, in the housing. You know, you see it in the shape of the villages. But it's not, it's not in our lives as a, an active thing. But... The Scottish government have decided to pardon a number of miners who were convicted in the 84-85 miners' strike of, of picketing offences. So when those criminal records go... Like, you've got these people living with criminal records for 37 years. You know, that's that's a long time. That affects your employment opportunities. It, it affects your, your well-being, really. And so the idea that that is lifted after this... Like, it's about to change people's lives again, you know, right, right around here. So that's fascinating. And so talking to some of those people has been brilliant you know and yes I do as an outsider I do feel more connected as a result I'm so happy to meet you by the way Martin because oh, I feel like you're you. kind of a kindred spirit in, oh, in thanks, many ways well, I, I only say that because <laughs> you're somebody who likes to record outside record your Lots progress through noise. the countryside <laughs> you know uh, you, you do that don't you and make a thing about that which is very similar to the kind of work that we've been oh thanks very to much um, yeah oh well, likewise thank you but tell us why you'd like to do it Partly because I've never got over the joy of recording. Like, it's amazing that you can capture moments in sound. That that will blow my mind every time. And if you can put stories together out of those, that's even better. And because we're lucky enough to live in a world of music, music just records so well. It, you know, it has a very happy relationship with the microphone. So they're nice, they're nice noises to work with, you know. I wonder if, if a sense of place infuses your music too yeah absolutely it does partly coming from such a small clod in the sea as fair isle where you can't actually go anywhere on the whole island without hearing the sea and also the the sea in its many different sort of guises big sonic boomy thunderous seas and then also the really lovely sandy shingly trickly i mean it, the sea is everywhere and 
that is definitely kind of infiltrated into almost every every piece of music that I write. One of the things that Inga does is literally record the sea, which in terms of sense of play, like with hydrophones, but also there's a kind of inlet in Feral that, that has a sonic boom. Oh, yeah. So like we all have to stand on the beach and be quiet while Inga records the sea. We know about that. Yes. We have to stand on the, yeah. on the beach and be quiet while our producers record the sea, the sand, the footsteps, the birds. Yes. And it's, it it's a wonderful experience to be forced to be quiet. So yes. I went walking with Sam Lee and I said, you know, a walk is a great time to have a conversation, Sam. You know, it's when you can really get to know people very well. And he said, yes, but if you just shut up, you'll hear some amazing sound. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And this is something that I find and it, invaluable and I love going out for walks with people but I also it's to me invaluable to go out for walks on my own where you just stop and don't move and then hear everything that's happening around about you because like there's so much life everywhere but if you're moving you don't you don't hear it and also little creatures don't come out when there's (laughs) when there's big creatures stomping around (laughs) so um so yes stopping and listening and not being self-conscious if there's anybody else that sees you stop and stand in a bush for half an hour you know, I think it's a totally wonderful thing. Everybody should do it. There's yeah. your advice. Tip for the day. Stand in a bush. Stand, <laughs> stand in a still bush. for half an hour and yeah. see what happens. And It'd be you'll great. see loads of it. Regardless of where you are, you'll, you'll see and meet loads of little creatures and new friends. Martin, you're going to uh, play for us, I think, with you and your son. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, play a, we'll play a pipe tune. Oh, that would uh, be fantastic. Yeah, play some Scottish music during the football. You had said to me, regarding the Scottish team's defeat, you wouldn't understand, you're not from here. Which I thought was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Ewan, do you often play with your dad? Yeah, I think so, compared to most families in Midlothian. There's more music in this family than most. Maybe not in Pathhead, but... (laughs) No, obviously in Pathhead, every house has got a musician or two (laughs) hiding behind the front door, but your friends at school presumably don't have as much music. No. No, they don't. Um, and what do you play? I play the mandolin. It's oh, fantastic. Here. here it is. Wonderful.
was fantastic. A round of applause. <coughs> Thank you very much, Martin and you. And whilst you, I just want to describe where you are because you're sitting in front of your very prodigious collection of CDs and vinyl albums and your record player and, and your amazing collection of board games just down <laughs> below the sideboard here. And then on your right is a huge plate glass window outside which that very Scottish thing happened while you were playing, which was that there was bright, bright sunshine and a torrential downpour of rain <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> so I'm looking for the rainbow out of the window. but There'll be a rainbow. Yeah, we do well for rainbows, I have to say. Well, we have to move on, I'm afraid. We're moving on now to see Sophie Bancroft, I think, aren't we? And Tom Line. Perfect, yes. Uh, so if you could give us directions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so they live over this fence, but I, I, could, I could take you around. We could, that would be great if yeah. you would, yeah. Hello. Hi, Tom. I'm Matthew. Matthew. Really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Will you take us for a walk around Pathhead? Is there a kind of good walk that we could go on? Let's head to Hill Road. Let me get uh, my partner. You're going to bring your partner? Not Sophie. Oh. Hello. You've got a dog. Hello. What is the name of the dog? This is Ella. And what kind of dog is she? She's actually, she's a Labradoodle. A Labradoodle. She's 13 and a half. Right. And she's, uh, she's ready to go. Okay, let's go. Here's the ice cream van. So only in Pathhead Midlothian do you get a full tune from the ice cream man. <laughs> Every time I hear the ice cream machine, I think to myself, Martin's bought a new synthesizer. <laughs> so what is the effect of living in a village with all these musicians? Is it a creative effect? You know what I think? more than anything is it's been a really lovely reflection of what life is really like like if you read 100 years of solitude gabriel garcia's marquez you know there's this long story about stuff happening and i think we're all going through it and we're all raising families to some degree and having marriages and divorces and gigs and challenges and life and death and collaborating and then collaborating Sometimes. starts happening and in the earlier days, collaborating took the form of we'd all go hang out at each other's houses and get drunk and play music. That sounds good. That was sort of a primary activity for quite a long time, I think. And I think what's happened with the Pathhead Music Collective, we realized we could access some funding stuff because a lot of us are involved in education. And it was a way of us kind of formalizing the group so that we could then apply for funding for a Creative Places Award. Uh, in the run-up to the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. So there was a concert series at the Pathhead Village Hall. Then there was a, some outreach programs to bring musical instruments to people that don't otherwise get them. Some stuff in the primary school here, just with take over the school for a week and teach music in their classes and have a concert at the end. And we put a festival on. Boy, don't do that. If Hard work. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, we did all those things. That really gelled us into a collective. And I remember the first concert we did, there was a, a bunch of my daughter's classmates were sort of hanging around on the street outside and they were causing trouble and they were leather jacks going, I'm gonna beat you up, what the hell's going on in there kind of thing. And uh, I remember co-opting them and I said, do you guys want to help me? I need security for the door. If you help me, you can watch the concert for free. And so these three guys came in and I remember one of them going, I've never seen anybody play music real. 
They've never, never seen live seen music. Live music, it is life. Wow. One of the other guys who I was sure was gonna like beat somebody up, he was just sitting there with his eyes were, like wide. Uh, Mr. Long, can I help you next time? <laughs> so that's well, that's a wonderful little image of the transformative power of the music, really, isn't it? Yeah. So one of, one of the reasons I wanted to come out here with you is because I think this is something that you actually do anyway. I you do. come out here and record the sounds, don't you? Yeah. Well, I've always been sort of a sound-oriented kind of person, but I, you know, I'm a bass player by profession, and somebody put me on to Ian McGregor over at Napier University because they've got a sound design program. Without thinking it through too clearly, I joined up and went and did a master's over there, I think 2016. And I have a friend who's a filmmaker, and so we started doing projects together. And uh, I really enjoyed doing all the sound effects. Then we had lockdown, I was trying to think of things I could do just to build up my sound design business. And so I came up with this idea to get out in the Midlothian countryside and record exactly this, like the wind in the trees. And so I got funding from Creative Scotland to go and do this, and uh, it's called Surrounded by Midlothian. And I got into recording with ambisonic mics, so it's surround sound, you're in the middle of the environment. And then, of course, I'm, I'm always thinking of weird things I can do, so I'm like shoving contact mics into things and kicking them, and then I started building aeolian harps. So stringing, these are harps driven by the wind, yeah. yeah. And I was stringing rolls of wire and hanging them between trees, and I made these sort of uh, guitar pickup arrangements that you could clip onto the tree and then record that and so the tree became a musical instrument yeah it sort of gave voice to the wind another voice to the wind in a way and hydrophones in the in the burns and sometimes i just throw the the microphone in the grass and it'd be covered in bugs and stuff and you get all this weird anyways you know quite eccentric makes me happy kind of sound <laughs> makes me happy too i love the sound of things like that then i took my favorite selection of those things and i wrote music I produced a couple of albums of music. Using the sounds that you'd found in nature? Based or on found sounds. Sometimes I manipulated them and turned them into instruments, or maybe I just took a sample and made a rhythm track out of that. Let's go, let's go down into the valley, because I, yep. I don't know, I've got a feeling that there's sound to be had at the bottom of this hill. There is, the sound and of us all tumbling. A very steep watch ravine. Your, watch your feet. The dog's already at the bottom and in the burn. Yeah, she likes to go lay down in there and drink. Now listen, I think while we're here, we should just listen to the water of the burn and the crows that I can hear in the background and the wind. Let's just listen. As you're quiet, you suddenly hear everything. There's like a zillion birds and her, and there's a story being told, isn't there? You there know, certainly is. So, in that, you just heard the sound not just of the burn, but also of Tom breaking a stick and throwing it for the dog, and then the dog splashing past mm -hmm. uh, in search of the stick. So, you heard a story in sound. Yeah, completely. It's wonderful to listen to. You know, it is just spectacularly beautiful around here and also on a day like this where 
we've got bright sunshine. It's a cold day, but there's bright sunshine and the sun's quite low, but it's illuminating that green field just to our left. Rather we can walk along the edge of this. Okay, let's do that. With the shadows of the trees falling across the field. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Look in the field. Three Isn't hares running madly in a kind of... Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, look at that. A race across the field. And then intertwining with each other, I think <laughs> is the word, isn't it? It's what two males a and a female. Great sight. That's brilliant. And look at the speed. They're coming towards us now. They're running towards us. Well, they won't notice what's going on. For They're quiet. preoccupied with other matters. Oh, boy. Coupling. Tripling. A hair threesome. That's what we're seeing here. <laughs> I believe that's why they call them the Mad March Hares, because this is exactly what they do. Well, they're sex-crazed at this time of year. I don't think I've ever seen this take place, though. I mean, I've seen loads of hares around here. They're very big. They're like a medium-sized dog or a very small kangaroo. Uh, With those large ears sticking up, which distinguish them from ears. a rabbit, don't they? And, and they're, their hind legs are enormous, and they go like the clappers. Well, they've moved right around the field and then off to our left here, haven't they? And still chasing each other <laughs> in search of satisfaction. <laughs> oh, the things procreation makes us do, eh? <laughs> oh, goodness. What an extraordinary sight. I'm so happy that you brought us here to see that. Fantastic. That is, is so unusual. I'm lumbering and clumsy in my human form. So do you think if we go back to your house now we might meet Sophie? She will be there now. Oh excellent, let's go and see her. Come on in. Thank you. Hello. Hello. How wonderful to meet you. And you. We've been for a lovely walk. Brilliant. So did you go down to the Hill Road? Yeah, we're Hill Road. And we I, recorded some sounds brilliant. of water. We took our lives in our hand oh. and went down to the creek. Oh, well done. But we've been on the most amazing journey all day, yeah. really, a musical journey. And it's like every door you knock on here, <laughs> there's some amazing creative activity going on behind yeah. the door. Um, yes. Do you, do you like that? I mean, is that part of the joy of the place? Absolutely, yeah. completely, yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's very special. And, I mean, we don't always see a lot of each other because we're all so busy individually but knowing that we're all there is very special you know there's always a sense that there's someone that you can talk to that understands if you need that which I, th I think over the last two years we kind of did need it quite a bit yeah, yeah it's a lot of mutual mm. support mm. yeah mm. now will you sing a song for us yes I will I will. Well, I would love what are you to. going to we, sing? Um, I'll, I'll sing one of my songs if that's okay. Of course, yeah. which, is, which actually is called Home so it's written about my love of home and walking, that's been a, a huge source of inspiration. I was raised from the ground by your loving hand With a spirit of old, your heart in the land And I breathe the sea with its wild caress And I know that I am home And I know that I am home I can drink from the burn On the mountain steep 
forest hills I take my sleep I feast my eyes Where the eagles soar And I know that I am home And I know that I am home And there's Beautiful evocation of the power of home yeah. in, in people's hearts. Yeah. And, and you're part of a musical family, yes, aren't you? Yes. So your relations are all in music as yes, well. Yes, no, my brothers are both your brother jazz musicians. Here? There's one brother here across the road and another brother in a village about 10 minutes away. What was here. it about your upbringing, do you think, that led to that musical outpouring? Our parents were both semi-professional jazz musicians. They were medics, but they also were jazz instrumentalists as well. So we just grew up with jazz. Family we all, band. It, well, there it was a family band. It was band, a bit yeah. like the Von Trapp family, it was, was it? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, surely not. We don't conjure up that image. No. no. But yeah, that, that, I mean, that's how it happened. And we all, there was a lot of big medical slant to the family as well. So my brothers studied as 
doctors and I did a degree in psychology, but we all became professional musicians as soon as we graduated. So you're a really handy band to have on stage, because if, if, if the cry goes up, is there a doctor in the house? Well, yeah, my brother's. I'm suitable if someone has mind. a breakdown, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which does happen quite often, I said. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to welcome Amy Geddes in a, a second. Yeah. The fiddle player is going to join us. And you, you play with, with her as well, do you, Tom? Uh, we've worked together for, for quite a few years. And, I mean, I don't play straight-ahead folk stuff very well because I'm a jazz player. And we started playing together one day, and she goes, that's great. And I was, I was saying, what are the chords? And she goes, I don't know. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and we, we jammed. But the, the, what was nice about it was the vibe and the, the groove. Great to see you here. I'm getting really blasé today now. I assume <laughs> that you're here to play something. You know, you're going to play a, your fiddle for us. I have and, my fiddle. Oh, Indeed, that's wonderful. Of course, for sure. What, what are you going to play? We're going to play a pipe retreat march called The King's House by Bobby McLeod, who's an accordion player from Mull. And then one of my tunes, which is called Cliasacha. I'm not a Gaelic speaker. It means the prankster. And then the last tune is called The Kitchen Girls. I think it's an American reel and I think it's traditional, but I'm no very good at facts. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. <laughs>
absolutely yeah. brilliant. Thank you very much. It was wonderful. It's, a, it's quite an unusual combination, actually, isn't it? I, I think I've heard that with the plucked bass and the fiddle like that before. Yeah, they, I think people are usually more sensible than that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Tom and Sophie have been talking about coming at this from a jazz perspective and then learning from more traditional musicians. Yeah. I wonder if what, from your perspective, you learn from playing with a, a, a jazz-trained musician like, like, like Tom. What have I learned from what playing with Tom? What do you learn? What does the collaboration mean, mean to you? <laughs> you should see the look in my face. How, how do you horror? <laughs> no, no, nothing what at all. What I learn is that anything and everything goes and don't expect A when you should hear A. Or do you think you're going to hear D? And uh, I've learned to be much more free. Well, I think one of the things that you do really well that I enjoy in the duo particularly is the groove and the, the feel yeah. uh, and the way that the tunes are played because it's, it's very you, you have a unique touch for tempos and the feels and, and that's really fun to play with and it just sort of suits me. And that's because I play for dance, really. And we're going to pay tribute to an important person from this village, Nigel Richard. Yeah. Would you, would you tell us about him and why he was such an important figure in your musical lives? Okay. I met Nigel in the Shore Bar about 25 years ago at a session, and he was then, as he always was, larger than life and quite impressive on lots of levels. And he talked me into coming along to some Indian music classes that were held at Steiner School there. So once a month or so on a Sunday, we would go up. And I have to admit that I'm still entirely clueless about Indian classical music. But all these things are little influences and you take a little bit away. And so I would see Nigel regularly at sessions and we would do the odd Cayley or play a little gig from time to time. And the other place that we regularly went was his workshop, which at the time was on Albert Street, just off Easter Road in Leith. And it was like a wee coffee shop, really. You would just go in, you would have some reason to see Nigel and you'd find yourself there an hour later talking about very interesting things. <laughs> and what was he making in that workshop? Bagpipes. Right. He made borders pipes um, particularly, but he also made whistles and he made an amazing thing called a set of session pipes. So a lot of Highland pipers can't play the bellows blown pipes, they can only play the mouth and sack blown pipes. And Nigel made a smaller set of session pipes in E. So there's two issues with the Highland pipes, they're in B flat and they're enormously loud. And so Nigel made these smaller pipes that were in A so they could play with all the fiddles and all the other instruments and they were small so they weren't as loud. Uh, so he made pipes but he was also a musician, a performing musician with yeah. other instruments, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean the only time he ever played pipes was on Hogmanay. That was it, the one time of the year he would play for us at the Bells. He also played sarod, which is an Indian instrument, not unlike sitar, it's kind of smaller, but it sounds vaguely similar and has the same sort of, do you call them sympathetic strings? Yeah, the ones, yeah. They, they did play, they does, he does play them though. So they're kind of like that, they're like drone strings. And he built a sitar that had these attached as well. It was completely his own design of instrument. So he designed a lot of instruments. He wasn't just an instrument maker. Um, and he was passionate and he was particular and... Do you know, the other thing he did is he really charged fair prices. You know, he didn't become um, a millionaire out of it, that's for sure. And you yeah. all obviously feel strongly about him and feel his loss because he died recently, didn't Huge. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He died a year ago on New Year's Day. He waited. He snuck into 2021. Right. <laughs> he just wanted to be sure that Trump was gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so everyone's going to come together now, I think, at your house. Yeah, and we'll and, play a and few And sing tunes. a song, yeah, yeah and play yeah. for him. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Let's do that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
So here we are in your wonderful sitting room, Amy, and you've assembled these extraordinary musicians, a big band of musicians from across the village. Would you just introduce the band for us? I will. To my left, on the harp, Karina Hewitt. <laughs> to her left, Ewan Green on mandolin. Kareen Paul-Wirt on her tenor guitar. Inga Thompson with an accordion. Martin Green with another accordion. Dave Milligan with a guitar. <laughs> Tom Bancroft with a baran. And then the fiddle section, Jenny Gardner. And me. What a wonderful band. That's amazing. And we've had the most extraordinary time with all of you. So we want to say thank you very much indeed for your hospitality, for your talent today and for sharing your, your stories with us. But we're also here to remember Nigel, aren't we? we? Who we've talked to various of you about. And I think that was one of the main motivations for people coming together tonight was, was to remember Nigel and his impact on this community and on all of you. Yeah, for sure. Maybe Tom, who hasn't spoken to you, might want to say something about Nigel, because you were dear friends, weren't you? Yeah, Tom Bancroft, do you want to just explain why he was such an important figure? Well, he was uh, this sort of massive personality, and he generally was the last man standing at a party. <laughs> and if Nigel started singing, you knew it was near the end of the party, and it was very loud. He just was this brilliant all-round musician, a wise head, political firebrand, lots of levels. And then latterly, he, he fell in love with this lovely lady from Thailand and started writing these beautiful love songs. And so his singing changed from this sort of bellowing, late night bellowing, <laughs> which uh, wasn't always melodious, to this really beautiful love songs he would sing and the whole place would sigh. And, and then he, you know, he went through his illness here in the village and. I guess it was a privilege. There were a few of us that really went on a journey with him through that. And, and it's something I've not done before with a friend like that. And it, it was a, a journey and he sort of, and then he left us and he was gone. And there's a huge, big Nigel shaped hole. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think we all miss him you know, a lot. So what are we going to hear? We're just going to play some of Nigel's favorite tunes, Loch Inside and then Pipe March, Siege of Delhi, we're going to play that, and then a wee jaunt into Donald Willie and his dog. That sounds fantastic. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> should have heard Nigel play it. I mean, yeah. we'll try and do it some justice. OK, fantastic. Thank you.
Thank you. We used to play in the pub with Nigel, and uh, there was usually more more talking than playing, because Nigel would start telling stories in between the tunes, and then we'd have a music break <laughs> between the stories. Yeah. Can we do Freedom Come All You for Nigel? Yeah. Does somebody want to tell us why this song? Because it's it's awesome. As someone that's moved to Scotland, it encapsulates much about Scotland that I love. It's a pipe tune called The Bloody Fields of Flanders, which was written, I believe, during the First World War. And it is a poem by Hamish Henderson, which tells us we should probably be nice to each other. It's called The Freedom Be 
painted room. When McLean meets with springs and spring burn, all the roses and games will turn to bloom. And the black boy beyond the Quite extraordinary. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to move here immediately. <laughs> what a feast of extraordinary music we brought you in this episode from Pathhead Midlothian. And we've filmed all these amazing performances. And we're going to put them in Folk on Foot on Film, which is our archive of more than 150 songs and performances that we've filmed on our travels. If you'd like to see them, all you have to do is become a patron of Folk on Foot. You'll pay £10 a month and you'll get extraordinary rewards. Just go to folkonfoot.com and click on the Support Us button and it's easy to sign up. We depend on our subscriptions from our listeners to keep on the road, so anything you can give is greatly appreciated. And you'll love the films from Pathhead Midlothian.